Amen and amen, right church? I mean, we, we're here to lift up the, the name of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords in our life, who is our hope, and he gives us every blessing under the heavenly lights. Amen. We're looking so forward to what's going to happen in 2021. I know that you are as excited as me to be done with 2020, and we're moving forward in our story, and God is going to do incredible things in your life, in your family's life, and in the life of this church. If you believe that, say Amen. I mean, His Holy Spirit is going to be working through us as we continue to shine out for the cause of Christ. And each and every opportunity that we get to share the name of Jesus in one way or another, whether it's in word or deed, we are going to do that in 2021. We are such a blessed people to be called sons and daughters of the Most High God. We're going to celebrate him all month long. And so if you've got your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6. We'll be there in just a few moments as we uh, launch this brand new sermon series called Your Kingdom Come. It is also the theme we're going with for the year as well, because church, we want God's kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. And we want his will to be done, whatever that is in your life, in my life, in the life of the world, we want to live into his kingdom. And so every single day we're called to live out in such a way that we're lifting up his kingdom, his name on high. It's not about us, it's all about him. I must become less and he must become more. Uh, we have an exciting opportunity to live into in this year as we're going to be focusing this month on prayer. We're going to be looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and specifically, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 all month long. And so I'm going to invite you to keep coming back because we're going to take segments of that prayer and talk about how we live that out each and every day, what that looks like in our own life. We're just going to take it piece by piece and talk about prayer and how it should engulf our life, uh, not only this month, but in the weeks and months to come uh, as well. I know that you are experiencing on some level the, the events of COVID from last year, uh, and that is following us into this year. Those ripple effects continue to play out, and it could be any number of things in your life. There are moments in our prayer life, church, where we, we recognize as Christian people, prayer is essential for a Christ walk, is it not? Prayer is absolutely essential. But there are critical moments in our, in our life where we have to be in prayer. Prayer has got to be a part of our life each and every day, but there are moments when it is critical that we are laser-focused on what's going on around us. And so as we think about the effects of COVID, we, we know that there are folks who are looking for jobs. They are trying to find new work, new careers. Uh, I've been talking to families already today who are in that mode, and uh, we're trying to figure out how to pay the rent and put food on the table. There are folks who are suffering from isolation. They're not being able to gather in a moment like this. Maybe online, you're at home, and we are praying for you in your isolation. But uh, we're, we're working through not being connected to one another. We also know and recognize that uh, many of us have lost loved ones or friends because of the virus or other factors that have come into play from last year. So we need to be focused this year on what we're working through. But equally, we've got a new president who's coming into power this, this month. And so he is decidedly different than our last president. And we need to be in prayer, church, for our nation, prayer for our leadership, 
prayer for direction and guidance that His Holy Spirit would take the day that we would be in prayer for all of that is going on around us. Now, our leadership team here is committed to 30 days of prayer, and we want you as a church, whether you're here or online, to join us in these next 30 days of prayer. Monday, we'll have that document online. You can download it. But if you're here today, we encourage you to stop by the welcome desk and pick up one of those hard copies where we're going to focus on one thing every single day. And one voice will be praying that prayer together as a church family. So continue to pray as you always have, but add this to the mix and join us, your leadership team, as we pray this 30 days of prayer together. Equally, we want to encourage you to be in God's Word every single day. So the challenge is this year that you would read through the Bible yet again in 2021. Those uh, reading guides are located on the welcome desk as well, or you can download it off of our website. But I've already talked to many of you who have uh, gained the victory in the challenge to read through the Bible in a year. You've done that, and there have been all smiles across the board. And so thank you for doing that with us this year, and we look forward to hearing those stories again coming in uh, this coming year that we're in right now. Uh, We want to be in prayer together as a church family. I can't emphasize that enough. Please be praying about the important things that are going on around you. Now, how many of you have ever used a GPS in your car, whether on a phone or a device of some kind? Go ahead and raise your hand if you've used that uh, in some fashion. Yeah, most of us in here have used a GPS uh, device. And there was a moment in time when, when Robin and I had the, the Atlas Roadmap by the front seat. How many of you have ever used an Atlas Roadmap, the paper version? Yeah, several of us. We're all old. We're showing our age here because all the teens are going, what is an Atlas? I have no idea what's going on there. You missed out on a great opportunity. It was so fun during that time. But now we've got the GPS. And so you plug in your uh, direction that you want to go and it gets you from point A to point B as quickly as possible. But the GPS also shows you at times where there are policemen, sorry, uh, on, he's, he's in back corner, um, uh, on, the, on the road, or maybe where there's a wreck that's happened or construction along the way. And so as you approach those locations, many times the GPS will say, hey, you need to take this exit, which is different than what I told you before, if you want to save some time on the trip. And if you miss those cues, you could be in a world of hurt. You could be sitting in traffic for quite a while because you forgot to turn in the moment. And see, that's what prayer life does for us. That's what being in the Word of God does for us. God is our GPS. And so He helps us navigate life and direction and helps keep us between the lines and moving laser-focused on Jesus Christ and His cross. But there are significant moments in our life where we need to be in prayer. Uh, There are three of those that kind of came to mind as I was thinking through this, uh, this series, and one of those are significant decisions that you have in your life that you need to be in prayer for. So one of those moments might look like uh, maybe who should I be dating, or should I be getting married? Should I choose this career or this career? Where should I go to college? What town should I live in? What part of town should I live in? Those are some of the significant decisions that we have and hopefully are in prayer about over the course of time. Another one of those moments are during uncertain moments in your life. And most of us would say that we're probably in one of those right now with the economic downturn. We're not sure about what lies on the horizon. And so you need to be laser focused in your prayer life when you're living in an uncertain moment in your life. How am I going to make money? How am I going to pay the rent, put food on the table? What about insurance for my family? All of these things kind of line up 
to those moments where we have an uncertain future and we want to pray into those uncertain futures. And then we have moments of difficult circumstances where we need to be in prayer about. They might be moments uh, where you get the difficult diagnosis from the doctor. Maybe you're going through a, a difficult divorce and you need direction in that difficult moment. There are moments where you're suffering from depression, loneliness, and isolation, and you really need to work through that and figure out, how am I going to move out of this? Uh, maybe you are supporting uh, a family member who's mentally ill, and so that tends to sap your energy and the, the emotional and the mental output that you have to give. There are lots of different uh, options that, that exist during this particular moment, difficult circumstances, but you and I are called to have this prayer life, especially when we believe in a risen Savior, that we have a loving Father who wants to play into our life and help us along life's journey. And there are moments where you have these, these important decision-making moments, and while you're in the moment, you may not realize just exactly how important the decision is that you're about to make. You make a decision, and then you move on down the line, and then, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. You look behind you and you recognize how important those decisions were that you were making. And if you had known how important those decisions were, you might have invited more voices into the decision-making process. You might have been a little more strategic in how you worked out the finances or the move or the relationships that you had in your life. I mean, if 2020 shows us anything, decisions that are made in the moment can have devastating, sometimes ripple effects to us and our life on down the line. And so what we find right now is we're, we're living in a nation that is kind of at a crossroad. We're, we're all in this moment where the world is looking to the left to see which way to turn, left or right. And they look to the left and, and they see trouble down the road. And so they recognize that and realize these are some things we're going to have to do to overcome. And then some of us are looking to the right, and we also see some things that we need to overcome down the road to the right. And so they're making a decision which way do I turn? And while the, the world is deciding whether to go left or go right, I want to encourage us to look up. The world is looking to go left or right, and we need to be looking up to an incredibly awesome God who loves us and wants the very best for us in our life. And so prayer is one of those avenues where we can focus our desire with the kingdom or the will of God and see how that measures out, what that looks like. And so Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 is going to teach us how to pray. He wants to show us what that looks like to be, first of all, in love with an incredibly awesome God who is equally very much in love with you. I mean, this is a God, the creator of the universe. He stands alone. There is nothing comparable, yet he knows you by name, and he knows the story that you're working through in your own life. He wants to be a part of that, and he wants his will and his kingdom to come in your life as well. And so while Jesus is going to show us how to pray, he begins by showing us how not to pray. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5 together. Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. 
Now, Jesus, in this moment, he's, he's referring specifically to the religious leaders of his day who loved to be in the marketplace so everybody could see how ornately they were dressed and how pious and religious they were. Jesus is addressing that. They had long prayer shawls and long tassels on their robes. And everywhere they could, they would lift their voices publicly so people would look at them and think, wow, that guy has really got it together. He's very, very religious. Jesus says, don't be like that. The word hypocrite that's used in that text in the original version comes out of the theater. It's the idea that somebody is playing a role that they want an audience to view. And Jesus says, don't memorize the script. Don't act like an actor. We want you to be truly in love with God. So then he goes on to talk about how that might look. Verse 6. He says, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Now, I don't believe Jesus here is telling us the the formula to pray is to go into your house, go into your bedroom, into your closet, shut the door, and then prayer is effective. What he is trying to say is that you just need to have a normal, regular conversation with your Heavenly Father. It doesn't need to be scripted. It doesn't, uh, I've heard people say before, I'm not sure what to say. It's just like talking to anyone else. Jesus is saying, talk to your heavenly father in the privacy of your home, in your own life, connect with him. It's not about a public show. It's about connecting with your heavenly father in a relational moment. He goes on to say in verse seven and eight, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your heavenly Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask Him. Now, in Jewish culture, it's interesting because from very small children, they learned set prayers to recite. And over the course of any given day, a Jewish person might pray 18 different prayers. Some at certain times, certain events might occur that they would say a prayer for, but it was a recited moment, a memorized prayer. And Jesus is referring to some of that, that it doesn't need to be something that it's a ritualistic public conversation, but that you really need to have just a conversation with your heavenly father. Don't pray like the hypocrites, just have a relationship with your God. And so Jesus gives us an example of what prayer should and could look like. Now, it's also ironic that the prayer we're going to look at, the Lord's Prayer, has become exactly the thing for many religious groups that Jesus said prayer should not be, where it is a scripted moment, it's just a recital of words. And so he calls us to something deeper and different in our prayer life. Today we're going to unpack verse 9. That's the only verse we're going to look at, the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. So let's do that. Verse 9 together. Jesus said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. I want to look at those first two words, our Father. Now, there's a handful of times in the Old Testament where God is referred to as this kind of father figure, but he's never referred to as father directly, as this kind of sweet Abba, Daddy moment. He's, he's referred to on occasion as a father figure. And nowhere in history Is it written like it is here in Matthew chapter 6? In Jewish history, all of the writing 
doesn't refer to God as this father that you could tap into. And so what Jesus is allowing us to see in the words, our father, is that we can have a personal relationship with our God. That that he's somebody that we can come into the very throne room with him because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. We can have a sweet, dear personal relationship with the creator of the universe. Now, the way Jesus begins this prayer would have absolutely shocked those who were listening to him in the moment. They would have been stunned that you would call God, Dad, Father. As we think about that personal relationship, though, church, it, would cul- it should cultivate in us a deep desire to talk to our God. Because it's a moment where, where we see and reflect that God truly is part of our family, that he wants what's very best for us, that he knows you by name and he knows your story, what you're dealing with and working through in the moment. And so it should create within us a desire to really lean into this relationship with God. I mean, some of us in our own life, uh, we pray a little differently than Jesus calls us to pray. For some of us, it looks more like an employee and a boss kind of relationship where we've both kind of signed a contract and we, we come to the table together and we, and we talk about things there's gain for both of us uh, along the way. And so we, we kind of come to prayer like that. And so this is what it might look like in some of our lives. We might say, you know what, I, I tithe to the local church. I uh, go to church on Sunday, I pray over some of our meals, (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm a part of a ministry that happens three or four times a year, so I'm giving to God, why isn't God giving to me? I've done my part of the bargain, where is he in his part of the bargain? And so we come to prayer sometimes with uh, kind of holding God uh, accountable. We kind of have this idea that he's obligated to us in some way. And so we ask that question, why isn't God doing his part? But the best way to view God based upon what Jesus is telling us, view him as a trustworthy, loving father. Now, unfortunately, in many of our lives, we didn't have an earthly father that resonated well with us. We didn't get along well with our earthly father. We have negative images of our earthly father. And in John Bishop's book, God Distorted, he talks about that very idea that so many times we view our heavenly father the same way that we view our earthly father. But God wants us to approach him not conditionally, but unconditionally. We're called, Jesus tells us, to approach him as a father and a child, that we are God's sons and daughters, that he truly wants what's best for you that he leans into your story and he sees every nuance, that he wants you to call him by name, Father, that he wants to interact with you wherever you find yourself. You know, it's interesting that there's a a writer by the name of Richard Foster who many of us who are in ministry lean on for spiritual uh, reassurance and encouragement. And Richard talks about prayer like this. He says, prayer is about a love relationship, an enduring, continuing, growing love relationship with the great God of the universe. And overwhelming love invites a response. Loving is the syntax of prayer. To be effective prayers... We need to be effective lovers. In the rhyme of the ancient mariner, Samuel Coleridge declares, he prayeth well that loveth well. Real prayer comes not from gritting our teeth, 
but from falling in love. And church, you have a God who loves you more than life itself. We are such a blessed people to be loved by the creator of the universe this deeply. And so he calls us into that relationship too. I love you. Take my hand. I want to journey with you. I want to walk with you. And like a father, our father reminds us that one of those things that, that we're reminded of is the immediate access of God himself. That anytime, any place, anywhere, for any reason, we can interact with God in prayer. It doesn't have to be on Sunday morning only or during the meal time or just when you have trouble in your life, but anytime we have access to our Heavenly Father. I mean, how do you address someone in your life that you're very close to? You know, title, what you call somebody, really tells you the level of intimacy that you have with that person. And my guess is that many of you have postgraduate degrees. You could be called doctor. Uh, there are titles on the door of your office that you could be and probably are called by. There are lots of different titles that we can use along the way. But the level and the name you use declares the level of intimacy you have with that person. I'll give you an example. We've got a shepherding couple here at Cross Point, John and Sharon Scroggins, very dear family of, of ours. But we got to know them in 1996 in Ponca City, Oklahoma. And uh, it was a great opportunity. John has his doctorate from OU. Forgive him, Lord. He's got a doctorate from OU. Sharon also has a postgraduate degree, and there are also shepherds here at our congregation. There's lots of different names that they could go by, but because we got to know them early on in our boy's life, they kind of became surrogate grandparents for Tanner and Garrett. And so our boys call them Papa John and Mama Sharon. Not the pizza guy, but Papa John, Mama Sharon. But it indicates the level of intimacy and relationship that we have one with another. And so Jesus, by starting off by saying, our Father. He says, you have the opportunity to have a deep, abiding relationship with the creator of the universe. He knows you by name, and he loves you more than life itself. Jesus goes on in verse 9, and he says, our Father in heaven. So our Father kind of indicates this level of security and comfort but the idea of in heaven gives us perspective and strength. You see, heaven refers to a place outside the realm of earth and everything that is bound by earth. God exists outside of time and space. We are confined by time and space. And so God can step back and see the entire spectrum of my life. He can see everything from beginning to end in your life as well. That's why we're constantly reminded to trust in God. He knows what's best. He's going to guide you correctly. He's going to steer you in the right direction. He knows what's best for you. And sometimes we lean into that story, and other times we, we have faith in other things along the way. A, a great example of God knowing more than we know is the story of Job in the Old Testament. Uh, Job is this guy that absolutely is in love with God. He has given everything to God. He worships God. God has the highest priority in his life. But suddenly he loses everything. He loses his children, his land, his house, his cattle, everything that he owns. He even gets sick down to the point where he has nothing left. And he's got three friends and his wife who are standing with him. And they say, you must have sinned. 
There's no way this would happen if you did not hold God in high regard. And Job over and over says, I haven't sinned. I've always held God in high regard. He is my God. I I hold him in priority. He stands alone in my life. And it's back and forth. And his friend group is just telling him, why don't you just curse God and die? I mean, there's no way you're going to get out of this. And he leans into God anyway. He never sins. He totally comes into this idea that God is going to take care of him, although he still has questions. And so eventually he caves into his friends who are chiding him along, and he says, God, why are you doing this to me? I have always worshipped you. I've held you in high regard. What is going on? Why aren't you here for me? And he continues to ask God until finally in chapter 38 of Job, God has had enough. And God, in verse 2, says, Who is this human being that is talking to me, the God, the creator of the universe, this way? And in verse 3, God says, Brace yourself, for you are going to answer some questions of mine. Now, let me tell you something. When the God of the universe tells you to brace yourself, that's not going to be a good day for you, I'll promise you. It's going to be a rough one. And so God begins asking his questions. Job, where were you when I laid out the foundations of the earth and hung the sky? Job, where were you when I, when I put the earth on its axis and began its rotation? Job, where were you when I hung every star exactly where you see it right now? Job, where were you when I told the sun and the moon when they could shine in the course of the day? Job, where were you when I told the ocean you can go this far and go no further? We're reminded that God tells us that he understands things that are outside the realm of our capability. God stands alone, yet knows you by name and loves you. Look what God says in Isaiah chapter 55. God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. It's so interesting how so many of us desire to lean into God, but maybe our prayer life doesn't resemble that all too often. Now, in Job's story, God could have have said, listen, Job, I know things are tough right now. But I see everything, so if you'll just hang on for a year, you're going to get everything back and then some. I'm going to bless you more than you've ever been blessed before because you continue to be devoted to me. You're not leaving my side. You hold me in high priority. I'm going to give everything back to you. As a matter of fact, the first Sunday of 2021, there's going to be a group of people who believe in my son. They're going to hear your story from a guy on stage and be reminded of who I am and to trust me in the fact. But God doesn't do that. God stands alone, and he simply says, I know more than you. Trust me. And in chapter 44 of Job, Job finally covers his mouth, and he simply says, I will speak no more. Job recognizes how incredibly awesome our God truly is. So much that Jesus adds in verse 9, he says, may your name be kept holy. May your name be kept holy. One version says, hallowed be your name. Now, I want to know, this past week, how many of you have said the word hallowed in common conversation? 
Yeah, probably not many of us. It's not a part of our language. We don't talk like that. Hallowed be your name. But it's the idea of God being holy. And holy means set apart. It means separate. It means to make sacred. It's the penultimate of whatever it is that's going on that you want to set apart and make and revere as holy. God is saying, I have no equal. And when you set him apart, you make him holy. And our hope is in his greatness and in nothing else. He is God, the creator of all the universe. But sometimes in our prayer life, we, we reveal what we're really hoping to set apart as the savior of us. And so sometimes in our prayer life, we pray for that special relationship, that, uh, that romantic interest will blossom and come to fruition. We say, if he, she will only love me, then, man, everything will be just right. Or we pray for financial success because we're banking on our life being firm and held, held right in money and stuff. Or maybe it's a political candidate. God, if you'll just let this person take office, I know they'll fix everything and everything will be right again. And those things that we set apart will never save us. Church, only God can save us. He is the ultimate Savior. And putting our hope in earthly things will never help us move forward in our life. But God will. And we pray to a holy God see, we put everything under him and in his will. And we know when we do that, then he will bless our lives and we'll get to move forward into his will, looking more like his son each and every day. You see, church, in our prayer life, too many times we pray about the mountains when we should be praying to the mountain mover. God is that mountain mover for each and every one of us. And no matter what is happening in our life, church, we're called to lean into the creator of the universe. And Jesus says, and you can call him dad because he wants that intimate relationship with you. He is our father. And so as we launch this year together, may we lean into the power that only God can give me and you. May we not rely on anything else but the power of an incredibly awesome God. May we truly build relationship intimately with the creator of the universe and know that he has your best interests at heart. He truly wants what's best for you. And so together we submit to his will, his kingdom, his way, knowing that he is going to help us do whatever we need to, to achieve the things we're called to in this life. Now, there may be some here this morning who've never called on Jesus Christ because it's in Jesus Christ, church, that we have access to the throne room. It's only in Jesus that we can come before the Father. And so this is the first Sunday of the year. What a great day for someone here to say yes to Jesus Christ, yes to his lordship and kingship, saying yes to him, being baptized into his name, come up out of that water with your sins washed away in, 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 uh, involved with the Holy Spirit, indwelled with the Holy Spirit living out the rest of this year for God's glory. Great day to do that. Or maybe today you've, you've already done that. You've already made king of your life, Jesus Christ. And so you just need some prayer for encouragement. And our shepherding couples will be through this door and this door. And if that's you today, you just need a prayer of encouragement and a reminder that you are one with Christ. Go through one of those doors and let them pray for you and over you. It's such an important moment for us, church, 
to recognize that God is the king of the universe, that his son can and will bless you throughout this year and the years to come. But it's only when we grab his hand that that is going to happen. So let's pray together and then we'll lift his name up in praise after our prayer. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning so grateful for what you've done for us. You are an incredible God. And God, we give our life to you. We know that your will for us, your kingdom, is one where where the world gets along, where we understand inclusion and love, grace and mercy. And we pray, God, that our lives would reflect that each and every day. But ultimately, God, we know that you are the one that we have hope in. You are the one we have faith in. You are the only one who can provide what we need in our life. So, God, we, we worship you and adore you. May our life be a reflection of that. And it's in your Son, Jesus Christ, we offer this prayer. Amen. Let's stand together and praise his name.